Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we were put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. Hello, my love, and welcome back to The Collective Podcast. I am obsessed with today's interview and so excited to be sharing it with you. I know there's going to be so much that you're going to take out of this, where today I am sitting down with the incredible Lauren McGoodwin. Lauren is a speaker, an educator, an author, a podcast host, and an advocate for women's career development. She is the founder and CEO of Career Contessa, which is an online learning and media resource helping women to be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work through daily career advice, career coaching, online courses, a salary database, and more. Prior to this, Lauren was working as a recruiter for Hulu, but after hitting every single target and ticking every single box in all of her goals, dreams, and desires for her career, she still felt like her expectations had failed her, and she had this underwhelming sense of unfulfillment based on her career. And she realized that this was actually a consistent theme for women everywhere who seemed to reach a lot of the goals that they had set, but only found themselves feeling unfulfilled and unhappy at the end of it all. Now, Lauren took this and she decided to do something about it. And that is why she started Career Contessa, which today serves over 2 million women every single year who are looking for more of that support inside of their career in order to find that fulfillment and that happiness and that success. Throughout her career, Lauren has obviously learned so much about all of this and has so much knowledge, a lot of which she shares inside of this episode. And she has also shared a lot inside of her new book, Power Moves, which is available right now for pre-order and will be out in May. Inside Power Moves, Lauren answers those career sabotaging questions and shares her insights and the secret to building a purposeful career. Inside of this episode, we cover off so much and there are so many key takeaways for you, including how to avoid the expectation hangover, how to look after your relationship with yourself and set intrinsic smart goals. We talk about the beauty of mistakes and why there are learning opportunities in every single thing that goes quote unquote wrong for you. We discuss the concept of fond, which is the fear of not doing. And it's definitely a very interesting conversation as there are elements of that that I 100% identify with as we are speaking about it. And we talk about how to combat that fear of not doing and how we can actually complete the stress cycle in order to avoid burnout. For those of us with side hustles, we also talk about what to do in terms of talking to your boss about that, when to do it, if you should do it, what the best practices are for tackling that. And we also talk about the importance of networking and the double opt-in strategy that most people are actually forgetting. And trust me, this is such a valuable tool and it's going to be so beneficial for you, whether you have a business, whether you are in a career, a nine to five right now, have a side hustle, no matter what, you are going to get something out of that tip. I promise you. 
Of course, with everything going on in the world lately with coronavirus and its impact, we do talk about ways to reframe that and to see this time as a time for opportunity to take on some of the things that maybe you just didn't have time for before due to your career. Whether you still have your job or whether potentially you have lost yours, Lauren comes up with so many different strategies and ways for you to be looking at this differently so that you can reframe the fear that might be hitting right now and start to see ways that you can up level through this experience. Like I said, I am so grateful to share this interview with you and I definitely want to know your favorite takeaways. So as you are listening, make sure that you do screenshot your favorite parts of the episode and tag me in your Instagram stories at TayRayOfficial. Now let's get into the episode. Gorgeous, Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on The Collective Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. I was saying to you before we hit record, I just know that there's going to be so much magic in this episode. We've never had someone on talking about what you do and what you're here for. And I think it's just going to be so valuable for those listening. So honestly, I'm really excited to have you on just like learning about you and reading everything that you're about. You know, you're a speaker, an educator, an author, a podcast host. You're the founder and CEO of Career Contessa, like seriously, so many accomplishments. But what I want to do is I want to take it a few steps back in your journey and talk about the lead up to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll try to make it somewhat short, but I, um, I graduated from college in 2009 during uh, another recession um, with plans to become a teacher. And then, of course, I didn't become a teacher. So I graduated, kind of dealt with that whole meltdown of, you know, you, you checked off all the right boxes and there's no career really for you. Um, also, it was a recession, so that was kind of bad timing. And then I eventually moved from Oregon to Los Angeles because I thought, you know, bigger job market, that, that'll be my fix. <laughs> it's funny how you justify those things. Anyway, so I, um, I landed a job working for a university inside of a dental school, and I was working as an administrative assistant not a glamorous job, not a fun job. I always tell people, I, I remember one day specifically, I was given an assignment to feed paper through a printer one by one, which everyone's always like, do you mean like a fax machine? I'm like, no, it was a printer. I, I, I can tell you that. So um, I became really obsessed with how am I going to get out of this career? How am I going to figure out my next steps? I, I don't want to be miserable and unhappy forever. And I, I volunteered for this random recruiting assignment at the university, um, which led me to sort of be like, I think I would be a really good recruiter, which the funny thing about that is when you're in college, you're surrounded by, you know, campus, there's a lot of like campus recruiters. And I just never knew that job existed. So um, long story short, I started to learn everything I could about recruiting and, and what type of recruiters are out there and where they work and what they do. And over a nine month period, I had about 30 informational interviews with recruiters. And I used everything I learned in those informational interviews to transition into becoming a recruiter at Hulu. And that was really where I picked up the startup bug and the entrepreneur bugs. At the time, Hulu was such an early stage startup. Um, and I learned every, what it was like to be on the other side of the hiring table. And that was really eye opening to me. And again, to kind of make a long story short, I had, I had already been in, uh, enrolled in a master's program. I was finished working on my master's. I think I had one more semester when I went over to Hulu and I wrote my master's on millennial women and career resources. Cause I was like there, you know, I went to college, I did everything right. There was nothing out there that was kind of helping me figure out 
what I wanted to do. And then also having been on the other side of the hiring table, there wasn't really a lot uh, of resources at the time. This was in 2012. There weren't any, nobody was talking about women in careers, right? We were a one size fit all kind of advice segment. Um, and Career Contessa was the prototype in that master's thesis uh, project. So I, when I graduated with my master's, I had Career Contessa as a side project. I was still working at Hulu. Um, and then kind of the rest is history. You know, eventually I turned it into a full-time gig, but it, it started as just like a, a, a proto, an academic prototype to try to prove my point that the career resources that used to be out there were not addressing this whole generation that was going to come into the workforce. And now, you know, millennials, we are the biggest uh, work, uh, workforce uh, generation in the workforce and women. There's more than 50% of that workforce is women. So that's never happened before. So, um, you know, the thesis, I guess, is is correct. <laughs> yes. Isn't that amazing how like something that was just like an assignment at uni and obviously bigger than just a plain old assignment, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, well, this is the thing that I have to do. And it was basically the seed of everything yeah. that you do now, which is so incredible. Um, for those who don't know what Career Contessa is, give them a little bit of a, an idea, like an overarching picture as to what it is that you guys do there. Yeah, we are the largest online career resource for women. So we really will do anything that you need with your related to your career at any stage. So if you are job searching, you can go to our site and look at jobs. If you are trying to figure out what you want to do, we've got uh, webinars and worksheets. We have a, a career coaching marketplace if you need one-on-one -on -one advice. Um, if you want to ask for a raise, we have a salary database. We're the only online salary database that gives you access to all of the data. Um, the other thing that we do is we create skills and training. So we have online courses that cover the topics of leadership, communication, and business so that when you're in your job and you're trying to figure out how to advance, you know, career, grow in your career, where do you go to learn these skills that are extremely important, but maybe they're not tech, uh, you know, technical software programs and stuff like that. So we've, we've learned through the years that usually what keeps people stuck and not being able to grow isn't their ability to not learn how to like code or some technical thing. It's, it's these communication skills, it's business skills, it's leadership skills. So we've um, created a whole library of online courses for that too. So really one stop shop sort of thing for your career. I'm obsessed. I think it's the coolest thing. Honestly, I just blown away by all of the things that you cover off inside of it. And like you said before, there's nothing else like it. There was nothing else like it when you started and mm -hmm. it's such an important resource. And what I love is all the things that you talk about that don't necessarily always get talked about and that people, you know, people wonder them when they're inside of their careers and they're like, Oh, like I really wish that I, you know, had that salary transparency or, you know, how do I talk to my boss about my side hustle? Like those sort of things. And that is something that I would really, I just want to commend you on because I really do feel like it's questions that, and you know, obviously I have my own business now, but when I was in a career and in a nine to five and in corporate and climbing the ladder, like I had all those questions and I would have loved to have had access to answers. Yeah. So I just think that that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, in terms of obviously, you know, the women that are turning to you and, you know, looking for that support, one of the big things, you know, that I sort of want to touch on is that idea of like unhappiness and that idea of like, you know, you've ticked all the boxes, you've done all the things, you've hit the quote unquote success and then still feeling that sense of unfulfillment. So obviously that was something that was like paramount for you and you would see it a lot in people that come to you. And what do you think that is and how do you, how do you help people to move through that? Yeah, I, I call this the ambition decision or the ambition ditch, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's like, 
you know, you basically feel like you did everything right. You're ambitious. You work hard. There's no way that the, you know, one plus one isn't equal, going to equal two, right? And it's quite the, uh, using a phrase from Christine Hassler, it's quite the expectation hangover. And it lingers for a very long time to be like, and truly that's what it is. It's, it's your expectation of what you thought your output was going to be or, or what you, what you were going to get from all your hard work, what you were. And when you don't get it, it's extremely disappointing. And I feel like, um, when it comes to building a fulfilling career part, there's two parts. Part of it is managing your expectations, but also what I learned from my own research was that Yes, managing your own expectations is really important, but a lot of us, especially those of us in the millennial generation, it's like the myth that we were sold to. So I also don't want people to be super hard on themselves and be like, oh, I don't know why I expected this. It's it's the myth that got us all. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you're feeling that way, I think there's certainly, you can take comfort in knowing that you're not alone. Um, I also think that ultimately what, I learned in my research for people is that fulfillment comes from your relationships, especially your relationship with yourself. Um, and so that what we end up doing is we end up setting a lot of goals based on these ex external um, factors, you know, the job title, that's impressive, the certain salary so we can buy a certain type of car, or live in a certain place. And uh, research over and over again will tell you that extrinsic goal setting is, is not what's going to get you there. Um, you have to set in goals based on intrinsic needs and wants. Um, and I think that, that was probably another big piece of this is that we were so obsessed with kind of checking off these boxes that we never did stop to think like, what do I want? Or what kind of career do I want to focus on? Um, if you ask a lot of people if they're job searching, for example, oh, what are you looking for in your next job? They, they really struggle to tell you. Um, when I was a recruiter, we used to um, kind of struggle with this. At one time I was at a career fair and um, for Hulu and someone came up and they're like, oh, Hulu, what are you guys looking for? I'm, you know, I'm looking for a job. And we responded, well, what are you looking for? And that's ultimately what it comes down to that's really challenging for people too in their careers is you kind of have to know what you want. Um, and unfortunately, checking all the boxes did not help a lot of us figure that out. No. Oh my gosh. I resonate with this so much. And I've got friends who are going through similar things and I have a lot of girls reach out and, you know, for a lot of them, some of it's for some of them, it's okay. Well, maybe it's, you know, stepping into your own calling and starting your own business or something like that, but that's not for everyone either. And a lot of the case, it's going to be, you know, shifting into a different area of your career, but how does one then start to figure out what that intrinsic motivation actually is and that intrinsic goal actually is? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that those are not simple questions that come off of like, I can't give someone maybe like a formula. I certainly believe in um, this quote from Marie Forleo that I love, which is clarity comes from engagement. So I certainly think that engaging, right? So I'm, I'm a really big um, fan of having informational interviews. And, and what I found, at least from my own experience, was that having a starting place, however small it might've been, was extremely helpful. So if you are trying to figure out how can you set goals or how can you um, understand what you want. Um, I think it's a really good idea to, and, and I cover this in my book, it's, it's called career ideals is think about what is it that you really need? And then what are, what are your wants? So you could have a list of your uh, must haves, your nice to haves and your deal breakers, you know, like, you, you know, and, and just getting really crystal clear on what you need. And 
Um, and then the part two of that is trying to find companies or jobs that are going to align. And now that list isn't going to end up being perfect, right? Like not, it's kind of like when you're shopping for an apartment and they're like, well, what are your three must haves? Cause you're probably not going to get everything unless you have an unlimited budget or whatever. Right. It's kind of like that also with your career, like kind of determining what are your must haves. And so for those intrinsic things, it's understanding where do you feel, where do you get the most energy? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that you enjoy? Um, and then kind of what I like to say is like, it's just kind of following the breadcrumbs from there. For me, it was the thing that gave me energy happened to be that one, that one recruiting assignment. So then what I did is I reached out to a bunch of recruiters to learn more about recruiting. Then I started to understand what type of recruiter I want to be and what type of company, like specifically I wanted to work for a startup. What type of company do you want to work for? So each of those informational interviews helped me by by engaging in those informational interviews, I kept getting clarity, more clarity along the way of what I wanted to do and, and where to kind of like basically target, um, my job search for now that works. I think if you are an entrepreneur or if you want to work for a company, you know, it's, it's, it's focus. It's being able to determine where are you going to direct yourself? Cause if you try to, you know, the same, like if you try to be everything to everyone, nobody hears you, you know, you don't reach anybody. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I think it's something that can be well taken on no matter what stage of the journey you're on or no matter what your career looks like or if you are entrepreneurial. I love what you said there, that quote from Marie Folio. Um, seriously, so powerful. I live by it. And it's something I had to realize myself in that, you know, for me, something I say all the time is like action creates clarity. And I think a lot of the time, we think that it has to be the other way and that we've got to have that level of clarity before yeah. we can actually do anything. So I love that illustration. And I really think that it is powerful to hear something like that and that like you didn't necessarily know exactly where you were going to end up, obviously, you know, with what you've done and all that you've achieved and what you've created and the impact that you are having, but you took the initial first steps. And what I love is that you didn't necessarily know the answers. So you looked to other people who had them and you weren't there. And I think that that right there is such a powerful tool. It's like, if you don't know, get around somebody who does and start yeah. to ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Do you see that, you know, perfectionism and maybe fear in that area is something that holds a lot of people back? For sure. I think what you said is, is totally true where they think that they have to know what they want before they can take action, but really taking action, it's like, start somewhere, right? Start anywhere. Um, you could start by making just a list of goals. I, I talk a lot about, um, if you're going to make goals, make them smart, which is an acronym that stands for, um, specific, measurable, um, attainable, realistic, and timely. So if you're going to set a goal, make it a smart goal. So maybe your goal is that in the next 30 days, um, you want to have three informational interviews with women who run their own business in the wellness industry or their online wellness industry. Like the more specific you can get, it's great. But if you want to just start with three female entrepreneurs, you could start there and then, you know, broaden and then work your way in. Um, you know, that could be taking action. Taking action could also to be um, enrolling in an online class. Like I think this curiosity and, and, and the other thing I see a lot is people who, um, when you talked about perfectionism, it's like, they don't want to launch anything until everything's perfect. Or, you know, they don't want to tell people about it until they know exactly what their elevator pitch is. I, I, I mean, I think everybody's different, but I think for a lot of women, especially talking about stuff is a way for you to kind of like get clarity on what you're doing. So tell people, talk to people. Um, 
you know, I think that's why it's really amazing that people, so many people have, you know, um, these online communities. Like, so even with what's happening, like you can still connect with people online. So yeah, I think that goal setting for perfectionists, the only thing a perfectionist does well is, is basically keep moving the target of their goal because nothing's ever good enough, you know? That's such a good way to look at it. Oh my gosh. I am first to put my hand up and we've talked a lot about perfectionism on this podcast. So those that have listened for a while know this, but I used to struggle with it massively. Like my whole way through school and uni, like it definitely defined a lot of who I was. And I used to wear it like a little badge of honor until I realized it was like, oh my gosh, definitely the thing that was like holding me back a lot. And I've had to learn that obviously, you know, in the entrepreneurial journey, there's not really any room for it. So you just have to like get past it, keep moving and just like take that messy action. And ultimately like, yep, you're going to fuck it up sometimes and you're going to make a mistake. And that's fine. Like it's about, like you said, talk about it, put it out there. Like, don't be afraid to voice the thing. Even if you don't necessarily exactly know what it is that you're doing, like start talking about it. And I can attest to that. And I'm sure that you can too. Most of my career and the way that my business has grown is by me being like, yeah, I can do that. And I had no idea. One. That was basically what I said about writing a book. They were like, can you write this? I was like, I can, I can write a book. Yeah. I have no problem. And I was like, I have never written a book. This is so, but yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it too is like, we talked about mistakes. I think mistakes are such a good teacher and people are so afraid of making mistakes, but if you don't make mistakes and you don't fail, you don't learn, you know? And so you also have to recognize that a safe career is not exactly an exciting one or one that's probably going to be growing a whole lot, right? Like the ones that have mistakes, the ones where you can say, you know, Hey, I, I messed this up not only do you learn from them, but they, they make you a humble, more uh, relatable person too, you know? So I think, I think people need to, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but just really learn to embrace those mistakes. And that means practicing, you know, some, some self-kindness toward yourself when you make the mistakes that could be step one. And then step two should be really um, doing the, the homework assignment afterwards to understand, okay, I made this mistake why did this happen? What can I learn from it? How can I do things differently going forward? And, and not being afraid to ask people for their feedback on, you know, because sometimes when you ask people for feedback and you're vulnerable and you put yourself out there and they might tell you, Hey, I think you made a mistake or I didn't like this or I don't like that. You know, we, we all have to learn how to take that criticism. I think a lot better than maybe a lot of us sometimes do. We, we immediately take that criticism and, and make it personal. Totally. Yeah. That fear of judgment is huge. Mm-hmm. Holds a lot of us back when it's like, sometimes it's exactly what you need to hear. Yeah. And remove the emotion from it, get out of your ego. And like, how can yeah. you just hear it for what it is and take it from a place of like, okay, cool. Like I appreciate that. And how can I learn and grow from it? And so I love that you highlighted that. Like there's no such thing as failure. Like a mistake is just a lesson. Like understand that. And honestly, it just gives you so much more permission to just take that messy action with a lot less fear around it. So that is such, such good advice. Um, something that I want to talk about is fond. Okay. So most people know about FOMO, but, um, something that you talk about is fond and I want you to break down what that is for us. <laughs> yeah. So fond stands for the fear of not doing. Um, this is also something that happens to perfectionists and over high achievers and overachievers. So fear of not doing is your ability to feel like almost like a guilt anytime you're not doing something. So it's the person who works, you know, a 10 hour day. And then when they come home, instead of watching Bravo, they feel like they need to be doing more work or the person who is like, I really just need to go home and like hang out by myself tonight. But they're like, Nope, you're going to go to that networking event. They 
do not know how to not do anything. They are go, go, go all the time. And, and the problem is that um, it takes just as much discipline to actually kind of, you know, turn your brain off and relax and, and find that calm place where you can think um, as it does to go, go, go. And yet most of us, you know, especially in America, our favorite drug over here is busyness. You know what I mean? Like people are afraid of not being busy. Um, and, and the thing about fawn, this fear of not doing is that you also start to believe that if you're not doing something, your self-worth is tied up in that. Again, it's sort of this badge of honor to be really busy. Um, so yeah, fear of not doing, uh, fawn is, is just as bad of a, a thing to be suffering from as, and it will probably lead to burnout a hundred percent, um, as you know, FOMO and all those other buzzwords we know about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So those who have listened for a while know my story and I have been through burnout myself and I can still definitely put my little hand up and say, I still have elements of fond where I'm just like, okay, like keep going, keep going, keep going. What else can I do? And so like, even you saying that, that definitely hits like a little nerve for me where I'm like, okay, that's definitely part of me. <laughs> In yeah. some cases, I am better at acknowledging it and being more mindful and being more intentional about rest and looking after myself. And I do talk about it a lot here, but I do definitely have those tendencies as well. And so anyone who is listening and is like, okay, well, that's me. How can they start to combat that? And what some of the things that they can do to be a little less fond of fond? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it certainly, it gets most high achievers. So I will say like the double-edged sword here is that you're a high achiever because you've figured out how to get a lot done. And yet it's sometimes your, your worst enemy. You know what I mean? Like the skill that's helped you be successful can also be the skill that kind of takes you down a peg. Um, so the first thing with fawn is to recognize your pattern. So when you are feeling like, Hey, I want to just sit on the couch and watch this. Are you able to do that? Or do you have some sort of sense of guilt or are you feeling like, Nope, I got to keep doing multitasking all the time. So if you do that, the first thing to do is to sort of say, okay, I'm going to carve out. And maybe you take baby steps where you say, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to watch this thing. I'm going to put my phone in the other room and I'm just going to fully engage in this one thing. Um, another thing is to create rituals. So help yourself get out of this fear of not doing by creating some sort of ritual around the experience. So as you're gearing up to kind of um, embrace fawn or not embrace fawn, but uh, and not do something and not, not multitask, can you create a ritual around it? Some way of sort of rewarding yourself. So you look forward to it. Um, the other thing you can start to do is it, it's recognize your patterns to create a ritual. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, really understand what it helps you um, complete your stress cycle. So what is it that makes you feel ultimately safe at the end of the day? There was um, these authors, they were sisters who wrote this book called, um, it's, I think it's called Burnout, How to Complete Your Stress Cycle. And they talk about ultimately people, everybody has their own unique cycle and what ends up helping you complete it might be um, laughing. It might be a hug from a friend. It might be a good cry. So recognize what do you need to feel safe again? And why are you feeling like you need to just keep, keep, or keep going, 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 going versus what is the fear that you are having if you are not doing this other thing? Um, is it related to your self-worth? Is it related to you feel like, 
Um, you know, you'll be more important if you are really busy and you let everybody know I can't get to that. Um, is it because you are afraid of not showing up to that networking event? Cause you're going to feel guilty afterwards. Um, you know, maybe it's okay. I'm going to go to the event. And I'm going to allow myself to leave after 30 minutes. So you can kind of start with baby steps, uh, small increments, and you can work your way up hopefully to getting to a place where, um, you're, you're able to kind of say, okay, I need to relax. I need to be able to sit in silence or I need to be able to sit and not feel this pressure to do more stuff. And ultimately you recognize is like most of this pressure is all internal. Mm, yeah. They're such good steps. And like, even as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's exactly what I've done in my life to actually manage it. Like exactly that, even with the ritualistic side of things for me, the end of a night is very ritualistic where I have to like plan out everything that I'm doing the next day, what that looks like from a time looking perspective. And then it's like, okay, laptop is shut. I go have a hot shower, wash my face, skincare, essential oils are on, like literally. And it's like, I just love it. it. And it's become (laughs) such an important, I'm not really relaxed until then. And so for me, it's like important that I do that, hopefully in most cases before we have dinner and things like that. Because otherwise if I have dinner and I haven't done that ritual, I'm like, okay, well, I'm still kind of like highly strong in my brain. So. Yeah, totally. It's like whatever your ritual needs to be to kind of take yourself from, you know, the, the level 10 to a level two or three. So your body knows like we are not doing stuff right now. We are really relaxing and, and recognize that it takes just as much discipline to be able to do that as it does to, you know, get up in the morning and start that morning routine and go, go, go with your to-do list too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about being very intentional. I love what you said there about the baby steps. And I think it really links into the importance of setting boundaries for yourself and actually honoring them because it's one thing to set them. And then it's the other thing to actually follow through because if you set them and don't follow through, then you ultimately feel like you're lying to yourself. So I think it's really powerful where it's like, just take those baby steps, things that are actually manageable and achievable, which links back into what you were saying about the smart goals before, like essentially you're setting really micro little smart goals for yourself around actually not doing, which sounds counterintuitive, but I think for a lot listening who are high achievers, that's going to be something that they can definitely take away. So thank you for sharing that. Um, You mentioned about networking in there as well. And that's something that I definitely do want to talk about. Obviously networking, some people love it. Other people hate it. I want to hear what your opinion is and to discuss why the double opt-in is so important to the networking side of things. Yeah. I mean, the reality is whether you like networking or not, it's part of our world. It's the way most people get their jobs. Most people probably get, you know, opportunities at work. Um, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, maybe your clients come through networking. I mean, I know it's got kind of this icky connotation to it, but ultimately at the end of the day, networking is about building relationships. Um, it's about, how can you add value to people's world and and what they do specifically probably related to their work um and you want to think of your networking is almost like an ATM, you, but you want to be as making as many deposits or more deposits, uh, you know, ideally to your ATM or to your network. Um, so that when you do want to make a withdrawal or when you do want to ask them for a favor or for, um, an introduction or whatever it is, you've already done the work to not just like take, take, take whenever you need, but to really cultivate and maintain those relationships. Um, I think the people who are really good at networking, it, it's not a chore to them, right? It's just a natural part of who they are is, is a relationship builder. They're the person who checks in on you. Um, so a couple of my networking tips I have for people are 
one to always be thinking about how you can add value for them. I think that's probably one that people have heard a lot. Um, the other thing that I get a lot is, okay, well, I went to this event and how do I, you know, I networked with these people and I followed up with them, but now I don't really have anything. Like, how do you maintain the relationship? Basically, like they, they feel like meeting new people and, and, you know, adding them on Instagram, LinkedIn or whatever is fairly simple. So one of the things that I love to do is I pick a holiday, um, for me, like, I pick two holidays a year. I really like to do it around new year's and then a holiday sometime in the summer. And I will send, um, their individual, but I will send kind of, uh, or create kind of a rough template that basically just says, you know, happy new year. I hope you had a great holiday. Here's what I did for my holiday. Here's what I'm looking forward to in the year. Like, let, let me know what's new with you. And then I end it there. So I don't need anything from them, but I'm not, I'm not doing this thing where I'm radio silent until I need something and really good networkers. That's what they're thinking about. They're constantly thinking about how can I check in with you? How can I stay up to date with what you're working on and celebrate you? And like I said, add value to you. Um, so those are, that's a good networking tool to remember is to kind of send the seasonal check-in. Um, and then the other big networking rule is called the double opt-in. So oftentimes what happens in networking is, you know, I'll, I'll have a friend who will be like, Oh, you and this other person should connect. I'm going to connect you to, well, before you do that, there's, we have to think about the double opt-in, which means both people opt in to being connected from that mutual connection that's super important. People's time is extremely valuable. Also, you want that to be a successful connection. So the double opt-in is before I make the introduction between these two people, I ask both of them, Hey, are you interested in being introduced to this person? And is this person interested in being introduced to you? Once they both say yes, now I'm going to make the introduction. That's really important. Um, the, you know, the, the currency, I should say, of being able to be a networker is extremely valuable. You don't want to be a person who is abusing your network, but with all these introductions. And like I said, you don't want the introductions you make to not be successful. The double opt-in by, by following that rule can help to make sure you are successful and that you aren't, um, you know, I don't want to say taking advantage of people's time, but sometimes people will just let you know, like, look, it's not a good time right now for you to be making a new introduction for me. Um, and, and that's important, you know? Yeah, that's such good advice. And it's not often talked about at all because people do go, oh, I know this person, especially if they're a lot closer to one of the people and like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, let's just do this for you. It's going to be so great without necessarily considering what might be going on for that other person. So I feel like that's a really, really good piece of advice. And ultimately for anyone, like you said, in any industry, no matter what it is that you're doing, networking is important, no matter how you're doing it as well. I know that for me, the majority of my network is online, like literally in other countries with people I've never met face to face but yes. so much of my network has been built that way but that's by nurturing those relationships and that is by exactly what you said where it's like how can you provide value for the other person and I talk about this all the time in terms of you know from a business perspective like for your audience and for your clients like make it them focused not you focused but it's the same thing when it comes to networking like it's exactly the same they're still part of your audience just in a different dynamic where it's like how can you provide that value and really come from that place of service knowing that at the time when it's right, like the opportunities are going to present themselves and you'll then be able to say like, okay, like, can we make this connection or do this sort of thing or this collaboration or something like that? So I think that that's super valuable. Um, I wanted to mention LinkedIn as well. Is that a tool that you believe to be like super valuable? Is it something that you use? Ultimately, there's a lot of conversation going around right now where it's basically Facebook five years ago before all the things changed. It's so organic and the ad reach is amazing. So what's your take on it? Do you feel like it's a very useful tool for people at the moment? 
I love LinkedIn and you know, you have to remember also I come from the job search, you know, background. I have a career tool. So LinkedIn is, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, a couple of reasons why I'm a fan of it though, is that when I was looking for a job opportunity, I turned to LinkedIn to find those informational interviews. So I think it's an amazing networking tool. It's an awesome way to find people and connect with them as long as you do it in a genuine way and not a spammy way. Um, LinkedIn has definitely got, yeah, some new tools that have made it easier for people to be really spammy about it. Um, so it does take, you know, a little bit more effort today, I think, to than it did before just because more people are doing it. Um, the other thing about LinkedIn, when I was a recruiter, it was the number one tool we used to source candidates. So making sure that you have a profile that's optimized and filled out and you have keywords. If you want job opportunities to find you, whether it's a full-time job opportunity or clients, you know, keywords and optimizing that profile is super, super important. Um, the other thing I love about LinkedIn is that it is a great way to stay up to date with people. So kind of like what I was just talking about with networking, um, you know, I like to be able to connect with people on LinkedIn and that's where I get to see when they get a new job or maybe they shared something. And it's so simple to just stay up to date with people on that platform. It's meant for professional connections. You know, I know it's, it is sort of turning into Facebook, but it, it will always have a professional, um, more professional kind of, um, exterior to it than Facebook does. Right. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of, of LinkedIn. I think that now that they're bought by owned by Microsoft too, like we're just going to see more interesting, you know, updates that are going to come about because of that. Um, and ultimately they want to make money. So we might see more ads and some more stuff like that. But again, like I still think LinkedIn is the better place of, or the best place to be able to find people based on, you know, the companies they work for in their positions. Instagram isn't going to have that and Facebook's not going to have that, you know? So, so I, I would say, like, like I said, just from perspectives of being on both sides of the hiring table and now as a business owner, like I, I find a bunch of people to connect with, to help me, whether we're writing an article and um, whether, you know, I'm looking for someone to interview for the podcast. Like it's a great place. If you're looking for a contractor for something, I mean, LinkedIn is, it, it has it all there. So yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> powerful. Yeah. So take away, get yourself on LinkedIn. <laughs> Just yeah. Optimize your profile, know your keywords and put them on there because LinkedIn's algorithm is similar to, you know, Google is an algorithm. Pinterest has an algorithm. You have to have keywords in your profile. That's how you will get found by other people who are looking for someone like you. Yeah. Something that I really like about LinkedIn as well is this, it's like searchable. So unlike Instagram where you can't go in and like search something and have actual yeah. results come out, like LinkedIn, you can. So if you're publishing, you know, posts and articles and things like that and videos and going live and talking on there from a credibility perspective as well. And when people are actually searching for answers for things, like a lot of your stuff's going to come up there. And like we talked about, the reach at the moment is huge because it isn't as saturated and there's not as many people on there. Actually, there's more of a demand for content than there is the supply. So it's quite yeah. a powerful place to be hanging out, I think. So <laughs> good advice. Um, one thing I did want to ask about as well, because like we spoke about earlier, um, something that you do incredibly well with Career Contest Art is talking about the things that people don't necessarily have the answers to, but they really want them. And one of the big questions is, you know, around telling your 
boss about your side hustle because I know that there's a lot listening who maybe are in a nine to five and are getting started in their own side hustle or they've got something going on, but maybe having a lot of fear around showing up online and talking about it on social media because what if Jerry from accounts finds out and tells my boss? Like, you know, <laughs> those sort of Hey, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> um, so ultimately, for those who are in that sort of position, what are some of the advice that you would have for them? Yeah. I mean, so the first thing I would say is that it depends on what your, oops, sorry, I will turn these off and then I'll re-answer that. All good. No stress. So the first thing I would say to people is it depends on what your side hustle is. If your side hustle is competing with your full-time job hustle, you need to be extremely careful and you should definitely let your company know that you are making money on the side doing this thing that maybe you're getting paid full time for. Um, you would not want them to find out that you are doing that on the side and then there'd be an issue. So the first thing I would say is like, look, they're, they're, you signed an employment contract, look at that contract, talk to HR and make sure you're not going to get in trouble. Right. Um, that's kind of, I guess maybe a basic, um, once you know you're not going to get in trouble or maybe you have a side hustle that's totally different than your main hustle this is what i found at least in my experience was that having a side hustle actually made me better at my main hustle um now i got to have that experience so like for me having my employees tell me what their side hustles are or share and talk about them and me ask them about them it's coming from a viewpoint of like i had a positive experience with that so when you are going to share with your boss which i do think it's a good idea to share with your boss about your side hustle because ultimately you have to think about what are their biggest fears about you having a side hustle right away they're going to think about is this person, you know, committed to our job? Are they working on their side hustle at work? So I think having a straight up conversation with your boss to share, Hey, here's this thing I do on the side. I want, and then addressing their fears right away. Um, and, and you probably can assume what are they thinking? They're wondering, are you working on it while you're at work? Are you going to leave? Is the goal to leave here to go work on your side hustle? So recognize that if you're going to have this conversation with them, which is really important, I think that you do, um, to address those concerns right away. And maybe you can say like, I don't know all the answers to this right now. I'm really enjoying it. I'm learning a lot of skills. What I'm able to learn do from my side hustle, I've been able to bring into my main hustle in this way, shape or form. So again, create a positive, um, experience or a conversation around that. Um, if you were like, there's no way that's going to fly at my company, my boss would absolutely not. Then again, read your employment contract, make sure that you follow the rules in order to do that and never, ever work at it, work on, I mean, this goes for everybody, but don't ever work on it while you're at your full-time job. That is a way, like an immediate way to get fired and, and to lose all trust with your employer. Yeah. Such good tips. Such good tips. Um, yeah, it's, it is such an interesting one. And I remember when I was, you know, in my nine to five and just so trying to like work on other things and all that sort of thing. And it is definitely an interesting thing to negotiate um, within yourself in terms of then talking about it. So I think that, yeah, it's very, very good in terms of those who are like, okay, how do I handle that? <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, I think it always, I mean, when I get asked questions like that, the, the, the thing about blanket advice is that everybody's employer and workplace and boss 
is different and unique. And, and so you also have to kind of like take this advice and really tweak it based on your situation and, and your boss and how your workplace. And the other thing you might want to consider doing is if you know someone else at your company who has a side hustle, ask them, like, have you talked about it? How do you manage it? Um, we talked about earlier about informational interviews and talking to people like, you know, don't, don't forget that you can do that in all parts of your life. It doesn't just have to be when you're trying to figure out, you know, your next career move. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. And who knows, you might just connect with someone on LinkedIn and you could ask them. So yeah, <laughs> just like exactly. up all the things like networking, having the information, yeah. all of it linked in so well together. Um, obviously with everything going on in the world right now with coronavirus and everything like that, there might be some women who are listening, who are feeling a little bit worried or stressed or fearful around their careers. What would you suggest as a reframe here or a way to look at what's happening now a little bit differently? Yeah. So right now, everybody is in a like one day at a time kind of mindset. Everybody, nobody really knows how quickly this will end and, and what the long-term effects will be. Um, if you've lost your job, the first thing you want to do is apply for unemployment and, and go through and make sure you're doing all that. I would say the second thing you should do is create a budget and understand where's your money going? How much money do you have? Um, so, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, you kind of want to start with like the, the, the true essentials, which is making sure you're getting unemployment or applying for whatever, um, help that you qualify for, um, which takes just a lot of brain power to figure all that out. Then you want to figure out your budget and you want to determine, okay, how much time do I have, you know, to, to search for a job? What is, what is my kind of, uh, runway? Once you know that, the, the positive here is that for most people, applying for a job is something they either do only when they hate their job and they're desperate to get out, or they're applying for jobs because um, they it, quickly, they don't have any time to think about their resume or what job do they really want. So the, the, the silver lining here is that your routine has been completely disrupted. Um, most companies are, are on hiring freezes right now, except a few that are obviously um, still hiring. So this, for the, maybe the first time in a very long time, you have time to think about what is it that I want to do with my career next. You also, for maybe the very first time, have time to optimize your LinkedIn profile and update that. Um, create a resume. Most people, I can't even tell you how many people are like, oh, I, I have a resume. I just quickly tweak it based off the company name. Now you have the ability to really spend time on creating a great looking resume. The other thing you have time to do is to create a list of those target companies. So the companies that you want to work at um, and start having informational interviews with people who work at those companies to learn what it's like to work there and to really kind of a, 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 you know, attack your job search from kind of um, starting at their company and working your way backwards into a job versus what a lot of people do, which is they just apply, apply to thousands of jobs. When I was a recruiter, we had a phrase called spray and pray. It's where you spray your resume everywhere and you pray that someone's going to pick it up. They're not going to pick it up. So you have time to really be really thoughtful about where do you want to work? What type of job titles do you want? You can have the informational interviews. You can create the online portfolio site. Um, like I said, and polish all your other materials. And this is maybe something that you haven't had time to do since university, right? You, you For the very first time, uh, the whole world is sort of on hold. So you're not, you're not falling behind because you didn't get a job interview today. 
Um, you know, things are moving so quickly, usually on your day to day that maybe you don't have time to prep for that job interview. So I think there's a, a huge silver lining here for the pivot. Anybody who's been thinking about a career transition, um, but hasn't had time to learn the new skills, guess what? You can apply or you can go and enroll in online learning courses. You can learn how to code. You can learn how to, there are so many things that you can do for free online. Um, and usually time is the biggest, is, is the thing that's standing in people's way is they say, I don't have the time to do it. Well, you're locked inside and if you've lost your job, you are doing everything you can to figure out how to find a new job. And these are all the steps I just mentioned are all ways that you can advance your career and, and set yourself up for success. When those job, when those hiring freezes lift, they will. Um, or maybe you say, you know what, I'm totally shifting into this career now and Maybe you want to work for a, a virtual company on a, as a remote employee and you, you know, you want to completely shift gears because you've had enough time and space to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good reframes. I feel like a lot of people have just like pause right now and then go back and then listen to that whole thing again, because that was so good. And ultimately that's what this time I feel is all about as well. Whereas it's like, yes, it can be very easy to fall into that trap of fear. And obviously collectively, there's a lot of that going around right now, but choose to remove yourself from that differentiate yourself. And how can I use this time to grow and to evolve and to maybe pivot and do things differently or up level a skill set or do like do the online course or like you said, completely change gears and get yourself into a position where you are literally working virtually, which there's so much that my entire team is virtual, like all over the world. So there's so many companies that will still be hiring and will still be looking for help in that sense, if not now, very soon. And so I think looking at this time as a time of development and what can you do and be and create right now is a way for us all to really just shift that fear into a state of opportunity more than anything. Yeah. I think too... Um, I like that you're saying, you know, shift into looking at it as an opportunity. I think one of the best things people can do is create a, a schedule or create some structure for themselves too, because with all of this too, don't forget about your mental and emotional health. So make sure every day you are checking off one thing that relates to the self-care bucket, one thing related to the relationships bucket, one thing related to the career bucket, and one thing related to the money bucket you know, and, and maybe for the money bucket, it's just checking to make sure that, you know, your budget is still on track or whatever. Maybe on your career, it's, um, you know, spending time researching uh, resume templates and looking into it, like whatever it is, just create some structure. And, and just like you would a to-do list, it's like stick with that. You know, they always say finding a new job is like its own full-time job. You have the time, you can do that. Yeah, that is such a good tip. And it's something I've been asked about more now than ever, to be honest, because I've been working for myself and from home, even when I was, it's so funny, I used to work in recruitment as well before all of this. So a lot of what you're saying, I'm like, oh yes, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it's so funny because like when I was doing recruiting, a lot of it, I did work from home for a company. And so for five years, I've been doing this, but I remember so vividly first working from home and being like, what the hell? Like, how do I get a routine? This is so hard. Like, off the washing, off the dishes, off this thing. Yeah. I'm getting very distracted. So I love that you say that. Any other tips that you have around building a routine or a morning schedule or anything like that that could help? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the laying out your day the night before, I think is really helpful. Um, I think giving yourself a morning routine or a morning ritual that you like. So for me, 
I set, I still set an alarm, even though I guess it doesn't really matter when I get up. I set an alarm. Um, my morning routine really is set an alarm, get up, go for a walk for an hour. I usually listen to an audiobook or a podcast. Then I come back, I make coffee, I review my to-do list, and then I get into that schedule. Um, getting dressed for the day is super important, even if it's just from the waist up, it can make you feel better. Um, I think visibility. So if you do work with a team or you work with a, you know, either you as the boss or you are part of a team, um, making sure that you have visibility with your team through video conferences and online meetings. I think that's really important. Um, so those are, I mean, I'm sure those are simple tips that people have definitely heard about, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, when it comes to remote work, I think you probably remember this too. I, the first week is really fun. And after that, you're like, okay, this is scary. You need to like, mm -hmm. you know, wake up, brush your teeth, like get it together. Yeah. Um, and I would also say one of the things I really like is having office hours. So like give yourself breaks and get up from your desk and actually go and eat you know, outside or something. Um, and let people know, like be over communicate. So let people know these are my office hours. I work, you know, eight 30 to five 30. So after five 30, they know that you're not emailing them back. You could even put it in your email signature and let them know that you'll get back to them the next day. So I think over communication is a big work from home or remote work tip also. Mm -hmm. So important. And I know that as an employer online, that's like one of the most important things to me is like, it's yeah. okay. Like if the deadline, you know, we've got deadlines and if things move around and change, like that's cool. I just need to be communicated with and we just right. need to all be on the same page. So I think, you know, if you are working remotely, that is a very good tip. Now there has been so much value inside of this interview. I'm so freaking grateful for everything that you've talked about. Your new book is coming out in May called Power Moves. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can pre-order it now. Because honestly, from what we've talked about, everybody needs to get their hands on this book because there's going to be so much value in it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting timing to have a career book coming out too, I will say. Um, so it's called Power Moves and it teaches women how they can pivot, reboot, and build their own career of purpose. It's basically a mix between kind of like a memoir, um, telling a lot of my own story and my own experiences, especially running Career Contessa. So it's, it's part my memoir and part the stories of a bunch of other women who have successfully been there and done that. Um, and the other part is advice and guidebooks. So there's worksheets, there's um, active exercises. Um, every single person who orders this book, if they go through the exercises and they follow the steps, they will absolutely be able to understand, okay, what do I need to do today to start building a career on my terms? It's, it's very actionable. Um, and if you want to pre-order it, you can go to Amazon. I would recommend typing in power moves, Lauren McGoodwin, because, uh, there's another power moves by a famous author. And so, uh, since this is out and mine's not, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, so Power Moves, Lauren McGinnon, you can pre-order it and it will be there on May 19th when it comes out. Amazing. We'll link that in the show notes so it's super easy for everyone as well. I'm excited to read it. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. Oh, my love, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so good. For those that want to connect with you online, just quickly tell them where they can find you. You can find us on every social platform. We're at Prayer Contessa. And then I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's just at Lauren McGoodwin or Lauren McGoodwin on LinkedIn. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've loved Thank this you. interview. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more. And I'm here to remind you that the world needs your life. 
If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you want to show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to taylorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.